and welcome to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna, alongside me as usual, CFP Allison DeBrill. Together we come to you live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then we'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, city you're calling from, and no matter what Allison and I are talking about, if it's important to you, it's important to us, we'll get you right on air. 627-7979. That's 627-7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our clients' interest ahead of our own in any business dealing. And we wouldn't have it any other way. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance our, their quality of life. For more, that's why when we um, we have that's why we work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals to. To come here every week, every other, every second and fourth Tuesday, and that's to help listeners make good financial decisions and take control of their financial lives. Because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it. And it's a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and take some knowledge. We are here to help. You got to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone. Give us a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, the economy, uh, insurance products, life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, retirement planning, retirement plans, 401ks, 43Bs, TSP, IRA, Roth IRA, mortgage options, or Social Security claiming strategies, and estate planning, wills, and trusts. All that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance we're here to discuss tonight. 627-7979. Good evening, Allison. Good evening. I'm, I'm glad to have you back because I was saying last show, after I did the last show by myself, that I was really tired of hearing myself talk. <laughs> how, how were the callers, Damien, while I were, was away there? It wasn't did, bad. Did, it wasn't did, bad. It was, yeah. a, it was a fun show. It was on Social Security. Which Do-overs, is, which not yeah. many people know about. Mm. So, And there was, of course... Advanced strategy. Yes. Of course, some you know really specific questions that are always great to to tackle yeah so uh it was a good show but um i'm glad to have you so that it's not just me listening to myself talk the whole time (laughs) and tonight we're gonna tackle one of the elephants in the room we're gonna tackle recession or no recession Mm -hmm. are we or are we not Mm -hmm. in a recession Mm. we're having of course all the indicators of a recession we've got inflation we've got rising interest rates and declining stock market but does that necessarily equal a recession and will there be one how long it will it last we want to demystify some of the statistics around recession so that hopefully it will give you a little bit of comfort right so we like to talk about things head-on uh, especially in times of uh, turmoil so that uh, we like you say, demystify them a little bit. So recessions are normal and natural. They're part of 
the economic cycle. I mean, ideally, it would be great if we could avoid them, but we can't. That's the part of the capitalist system that we signed on for that in the long run uh, raises all boats and uh, makes us all better off um, over time. But in the short run, in short periods of time, <clears throat> in any given, say, uh, six to 12 month period, uh, we can see the economy occasionally contract, restrict, pull back, um, where spending starts to be curtailed, reduced, and the money flow throughout the economy um, becomes somewhat less, which means that profitability typically in companies starts to decline. Um, and then we have a declining stock market and uh, a potential recession, which does have a relatively uh, technical definition, but, and we'll get into that in a minute. But the reason people f fear recessions so much is because of what they can cause. And the obvious things are lower home prices, lower stock prices, and almost always higher unemployment. Um, companies start to cut costs, uh, restrict inventory, lay off workers to try to maintain profitability and stop the bleeding. So, and losing one's job is typically one of the, you know, more uh, negative events that can occur, you know, like losing one's job unexpectedly. Right. That's probably the biggest impact that individuals would feel is if they were to, to lose their job. So that's why unemployment is such a key factor of a recession. Yeah. Um, and so I guess I would say that um, opinions are mixed on whether we are in a recession or not. Uh, we're not going to know officially if we're in a recession or there was a recession until months after the fact, um, uh, some pundits will say that, yes, it, it feels like a recession. We haven't seen the numbers yet, but I'm calling it. Others would say, you know, you, it's just really you can't. It's hard to have a recession when unemployment rates are so low, mm -hmm. when there are so many people still at work earning income and the consumer is two-thirds of the overall economy. If people are at work earning income, that means they're usually spending money it's really hard to have a recession with um, a 3%, I think, um, unemployment level. Um, so I'd say opinions are mixed at this point, but we'll talk through you know, some of uh, the things you can do in a recession, the things that you can plan for in advance, and some things that hopefully will put your mind at ease. Mm -hmm. Let's kick things off with a fun fact, though, before we delve into the details. A recession fun fact? I don't, that sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> I know, and it was just a couple months ago that I was doing fun facts about bear markets. <laughs> but I just think it's interesting to it's know. It's because they go in hibernation. <laughs> No, okay, we've been over this. <laughs> I just think it's interesting to have context around what these things are and what they mean and the, the real-life implications. But the fun fact is, or the fun question is, why is it called a recession? Go. Because the, <laughs> the economic the output... <laughs> yeah, because the bear's <laughs> hibernating in the woods and the economy is contracting. It's recessing. It's pulling back economic growth oh, is okay. is pulling okay. back it's, well, it's not growing uh 
it's in receding. a positive manner. It's receding. Man, it's receding. Yeah. Okay. I actually I could buy that. I I what by all accounts that I saw, it was just because saying depression is too scary of a word, and we're too soft for scary words these days. Well, the thing, there's no technical like there's no tech technical economic definition of a bear market, right. but it's widely to be believed to be twenty uh, percent decline from peak to trough in a market indicator, market index. So there's really no technical economic uh, definition of a depression other than it's a recession that's so severe and so pervasive uh, that it it wears the crown of as the worst of all time. Mm -hmm. And and we still see nothing in this country really surpass uh, the depression of the the early uh, late 20s, early 30s in this country. Um, even the housing crisis of 2007, 2008, which was the next closest, um, we call a great recession instead mm-hmm. of See? depression. Depression is too scary. Right. Well. <laughs> so what constitutes an official recession? The official definition of a recession is two quarters of consecutive GDP contraction. So where GDP is decreasing for two consecutive quarters. And that's declared by an organization called the National Bureau of Economic Research. They are the nonprofit that declares whether we are in a recession or not, but not in a timely manner, as you have said, because Mm -hmm. it is more complicated than that. And two quarters of consecutive GDP contraction does not necessarily mean they're willing to say, yes, we're in a recession. There are other indicators like domestic production, like employment, like we already talked about, um, and consumer sentiment, mm-hmm. I think, is a really another big indicator. And so right now, the indicators are conflicting. They're mixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, and this data lags um, by several months, um, real-time data. So that's why I'm saying, like, we won't know that we're in a recession officially until we look back in time. Uh, until you know maybe the end of year, December or January, then they might say, "Oh yes, in uh, July and August were recessionary months, uh, based on the contraction of GDP and other economic data." And there we have it. But by the time they announce that, almost always the recession is over, mm-hmm. and we are climbing back out of it. So if you're waiting for a dis- uh, recession to be declared, it's going to be too late um, to make any particular moves with your finances. Uh, it's something that is just a normal part of a capitalist economic cycle that happens from time to time and on average uh, about every six or seven years. So uh, we shouldn't run from these type of things. We should plan and prepare for them because we know that they are occasionally inevitable. And when we come back from this break, we will talk about some of those things to do that. So if you've got a question and comment about uh, recessions and are we in a recession or anything having to do with your personal financial situation, jump on the phone lines, give us a call, 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. Wealth with financial advisors, planning for 
and welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison Debril, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. All right, talking about recessions tonight, are we in one? Are we not in one? Does it really matter? (laughs) And I guess it depends. A recession is officially defined as two quarters, two consecutive quarters of decreasing GDP. But the organization that declares whether we're in a recession or not actually looks at multiple factors. So it's not just GDP. It's also employment, income, like real income, inflation, and other indicators that all contribute to the conditions of a recession. So If we're looking at a recession, which we won't know until hindsight, really, um, what does that mean? How specifically, how long do recessions typically last? Well, if we're looking at post-World War II data, which is probably most relevant nowadays, recessions last on average of 11.1 months. So a little bit less than a year is the average length of a recession, of course, the Great Recession was a little bit longer than that at 18 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think after World War II is uh, important because there are now laws and regulations and probably uh, Federal Reserve sentiment to attack and try to defeat um, any sort of significant recession, um, which was not the case pre-World War II and certainly not the case uh, for the Great Depression when a lot of the actions they took contributed, a lot of the actions that the government took contributed to making that recession uh, the worst in U.S. history. So, you know, in modern times, average recessions about 11 months um, we haven't, I don't think we've seen one even for that long, other than you said like the 2008, 2009. Yeah, so I think there's an argument that maybe we had a short one in 2020 of yeah, right. February, March, April, but right. that would have been really Do- short. Coronavirus. Right, COVID. So I think we did actually have contracting GDP. But really, the serious, the last serious recession was in 2007, eight nine which means we're well overdue for a normal recession right yeah yeah that's right so there was two months of economic contraction uh, due to coronavirus which really doesn't qualify as what we would it's not long enough to consider a recession but technically gdp was negative during that time period so if you if you want to call it that would be the shortest recession uh in history right around coronavirus um in 2020 Um, So how often do they happen? Yes. So post-World War II, we'll just focus on those statistics. They happen about every four to five years, Mm -hmm. a recession every four to five years. Now, if we want to say the last recession was the Great Recession, then that's been almost 11 years since Mm -hmm. that time. So some would argue that we are well overdue for a recession, which, again, is a part of normal business cycle in a capitalist society. Mm -hmm. Now, what is the effect of a recession? I think that's what people need to to focus on is what does this mean for me? Right. 
Yeah, and like we said uh, early in the show, the, a recession is usually uh, accompanied by rising interest rates, um, a declining stock market, but most importantly, mass layoffs, mm -hmm. job loss. As companies uh, are seeing a revenue decline, uh, they adapt by attempting to reduce expenses. One of the largest expenses for most companies, labor costs. So there's not enough work for people, they get laid off, they lose their job. That's typically the greatest fear of most people that I'm going to lose my job in the midst of a bad economic uh, time, which is gonna make it even harder for me to find a new job at that point in time. Right, now by all indicators at this point, anyone who wants a job can find some sort of employment in, in this current economy. Right, that, that, that condition does not exist right now today, which I think argues against the fact that we are in a recession. Um, and so we probably, you know, again, the data doesn't come out till months after the fact, but we probably are not because we are too close to full employment. Uh, if you start to see company, we're not even really seeing companies slow down in hiring that much. So it's hard to have a recession when you have basically full employment, people earning money, and the consumer being two-thirds of the economy, uh, still spending money out there. Uh, it's highly unlikely. If it occurs, it's probably going to be a blip. So what can you do specifically if you are worried about losing your job? Well, this is something we say pretty often, but I think it just bears repeating over and over again. You need to have your emergency fund. That is your frontline defense against unexpected job loss or any other unexpected financial issues. Having at least three to six months worth of living expenses set aside in a bank, boring old bank, probably not earning anything right now, um, is your safety net. And if your job is less uh, stable or less secure, then maybe you have more than three to six months. Maybe you have six to 12 months set aside, ideally, so that you can bridge a gap in employment if something happens. Right. Uh, the average person should treat recessions like the average financial advisor, financial planner should treat bear markets. They are inevitable. We know they are going to happen. We know on average when they are going to happen. But we don't know, no one knows precisely when they're going to happen, how long they're going to last, or how deep they're going to go. So prepare yourself for those eventualities. Prepare yourself for the fact that there are going to be recessions. You do that with a solid emergency fund and low debt, uh, you know, service. Right. Um, and advisors, uh, same with a bear market, when we do our planning for our clients, we build in the fact that there are going to be times just such as this. There are going to be declines in the U.S. stock market of at least 20%. And we factor that into our planning. So when they occur, we aren't surprised. We don't panic. We are prepared. And we go to our contingency plan. We individual would draw down their emergency fund. In our client's case, we, we might reduce how much is coming out of their portfolio and purposely draw down on their bank account. So 
your lifestyle is protected even in one of the biggest calamities that typically happens throughout um, an economic life, si life cycle. It's those who don't plan and don't prepare that bear the brunt of these situations the, the most. So, you know, it all comes back to financial planning. The more you can do, the better you're going to be. Got to take a short break here for the news. We're going to be right back after these messages. Get those calls in, 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense. Three financial advisors, planning for life. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison Debril, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the dialog boxes, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. Or if you have uh, more nuanced questions, want to speak to a live human being, feel free to give us a call at the office during normal business hours, 456-2200. want to remind everybody, our next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, August 9th at 6 p.m. as usual. Or you can catch a rebroadcast of the show uh, this coming Saturday. Or with even more flexibility, you can get this show as a podcast. Search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcast. Download us, take us with you wherever you go. You're the boss. Tonight we've been talking about recessions. What is a recession? And then more importantly, what should you do about it? So we've discussed that recessions occur about every five years. So it is a normal occurrence, a normal part of the business cycle that we should plan proactively for personally in our personal financial lives. Recessions last just a little bit less than a year, typically on average 11 months. And what you can do to prepare yourself for a recession first and foremost is make sure you have your financial ducks in a row by having adequate cash reserves for emergencies and staying away from bad consumer debt. And that's really a good rule of thumb, regardless of a recession, is to follow that advice. You'll be well ahead of many people if you can just accomplish those two financial goals. But we can take this a step further and talk about investing. So how the stock market is, I guess, affected by a recession or how you can use your investments during a recession. Yeah, so a uh, bear market typically accompanies a recession because as the economic uh, activity becomes depressed or recessed or retrenches, then so does uh, corporate profitability. Corporate profitability, main driver of stock market performance. And so usually the two go hand in hand. However, they don't match up or don't sync up in the same time frame. Stock market is a forward-looking vehicle. People anticipate 
uh, a recession before it actually happens, which typically leads to the bear market or a significant downturn in the market months before an actual recession. But the same is also true. The converse is also true on the other side. Before the recession is even actually over, typically you will start to see the stock market start to recover. And about with about the same speed and velocity as it went down. So all in all, what we say always in investing is don't try to time these things. You can't do it. We can't do it. No one can do it successfully. A blind pig can find an acorn once in a while. Anyone can get lucky. But more money is typically lost trying to avoid the bear market than is actually lost in the bear market. The volatility, the short-term volatility of the stock market is the price that we must pay, that investors must pay, to enjoy the long-term higher rates of return that we get out of equities uh, than we can find in most other investment vehicles. I'm going to digress for a minute here because I've sat next to you for every day for seven years. And And you still come up with new (laughs) sayings and analogies and euphemisms and blind pig. And it just amazes me. Well, the, the, the blind pig find acorn that's been around for a long time. I've I never certainly heard didn't come that. up with I didn't come up with that one. Right. I've heard the blind pig uh, finds a truffle, and every blind squirrel pig. finds a nut. It was a, blind, <laughs> a blind squirrel. Like finds squirrel. A nut. Every yeah, yeah. squirrel finds well, yeah, a nut. Either way, either way. <laughs> where you're from? Right. Uh, but it's impressive. I'm just saying, for one who doesn't use analogies very much, you still <laughs> surprise me. <laughs> well, I got that going for me, if nothing else. <laughs> But yes, the market is a leading indicator, but it doesn't necessarily mean just because we're in a bear market does not mean we're going into a recession. Right. Stock market can be wrong. Mm -hmm. It's been wrong a lot of times in the past, expecting a recession that never materialized. Mm -hmm. And don't you look silly then selling out at the bottom. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I hope that there's just one takeaway from tonight and, you know, a lot of our discussions is that timing the market is is impossible for anyone to do consistently you can certainly get lucky but if you're trying to time the market you have to time it perfectly twice you have to get out at the right time and get in at the right time and that is one of the scariest decisions and most people end up paralyzed on the sidelines for years right and think about what this actually means if you're so afraid uh, of the fact that the, you see the value of your portfolio declining that you sell all your investments and move to cash because of the calamity that you feel the economy is going through well in order for that strategy to work you have to wait for the stock market to go even lower, which means the world around you feels even worse. That the news that's coming, that the headlines that are being printed, that the news that's coming out of the TV that you see on your your phone or on the website, it's got to be even worse. And so if you didn't have the courage to stay in in the first place, how are you going to summon the courage to buy in when the stock market's lower, when the world feels like it's burning down even faster Mm -hmm. it defies human nature yeah right so you can't do it we can't do it 
No one can time the market successfully. More money is lost trying to avoid the downturn than is actually lost in the downturn. You need a cohesive, comprehensive investment plan strategy that you stick to through thick and thin. That's how you grow your net worth fastest, and that's how you become financially secure. And that's, I think, just one of the fundamental truths or you know rules of investing, that long-term market returns are going to include periods of downturn and turmoil. But if you look at the statistics, there are many more positive years than negative years. There are many more positive months than negative months. There are many more positive days than negative days. So your the odds are in your favor. You know, a lot of times we uh, talk with people who liken investing to gambling. Well, when you're gambling, the odds are against you. The odds are in the house's favor. When you're investing for long term, and most people have a long time horizon because we in our mind, your time horizon is your lifetime if you're an investor. So if you're investing for the long term, the odds are statistically in your favor that you will have more money in the long term than, in, than if you had not invested. But these the temporary setbacks, that's the price you pay to be compensated over the long run. All right, got a caller on the line, 627-7979. If you have a question or comment about what we're talking about tonight or your own personal financial situation, give us a call. Bill in Williamsburg, you're on Dollars and Common Sense. Good evening. Hey, how you doing? Common Sense, that's for me, not dollars, but cents. <laughs> that, that's more my economy there. Hey, uh, you, you, first of all, I, I want to say one thing. You, you mentioned a bear market. Is that a good market or is that a bad market, the bear market? I'm not sure what that is. Well, it's a, considered to be a decline of at least 20% from peak to trough in a major market index. It's a, good, it's a good thing if you are a net accumulator, if you're still contributing to your company retirement plan and um, moving money into your investments and portfolio, that it can be a positive. Oh, okay. So, we, so a bear market can be good uh, is what you're saying there. It could be, depending on your situation. Okay, we, we should probably ask the bears how they do it. That'd be a good idea. <laughs> so what their strategy is. Hey, my cat, Skippy the cat, you know, uh, he always likes me to say cat lives matter, especially the ninth life. Now, I want to ask a question about the recession. Uh, I, I guess freak because when I called in, I was saying reception, and that's like a wedding. That's not what we're talking about. So recession, that's what they're saying. That's around the world. That's not just America they're saying. Even our, they're coming on and saying, Oh, no, we're not saying it's a recession because it's a recession even around the world, and it's not a recession. So we don't even use the word reception, recession like we're doing. We're changing the word, you know, the, the, the definition to some other word maybe, you know, like I don't know what word you would say, you know. Bill, are you suggesting that there's a worldwide – Bill, are you suggesting there's a worldwide recession? Yeah, that's what they were saying. They're saying don't blame it uh, that one of the people that are talking about the economy. Don't blame it on – you know, we're in a recession because that's all over the world. Uh, the whole kind of problems that are happening in our economy around the world. So, if that's happening all around the world, what does that what does that mean to? It's not just maybe they're saying our country. They're they're saying all around the world is what I thought I heard on the news on on on, on the you know yes uh, you know. Yeah, well, I would I would dispute that. I mean, it's virtually impossible to get a 
coordinated worldwide recession. I mean, there's so many different countries, so many different economies made up of so many different industries. Um, it, a worldwide but they're talking about food shortage all around the, all around the world. They're talk, they're, they're people around the world. There are all kinds of you know people aren't getting along. And you got weather they're talking about. They're blaming everything on the weather. So by the time they're you know by the time you get done with the pandemic and everything else, everything's all over the world. It's not like just America. So can I just say it, this? It, hey, and Bill, we're losing reception. Camera. We're losing reception. Oh, we lost a Bill. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, but those things are always happening around the globe, whether yeah. they're highlighted yeah. or not, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a fair point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's always negative news. There's always a calamity somewhere. Uh, we generally, in our practice and on the show, talk about the U.S. because it's the world's largest economy and it affects most people. But we call it the crisis of the day. There is always a crisis of the day. There is never not a crisis of the day. Um, And there's always a reason to be scared out of investing because of the short-term volatility of it uh, causes people to to not trust or not believe the long-term prospects. So it's always out there. It never goes away. It never will go away. But despite these calamities, these uh, crises, yeah, yeah, negative forecasts, guess what? The stock market, American ingenuity, American companies, all overcomes, and international as well, but let's just kind of keep it to the U.S. I mean, it's always – that's what capitalism does. It, it adapts. It overcomes and it strengthens as time goes along. And to bet against it is folly. I mean, it's it would be you can't you can't make an argument, a, a logical argument that says that the probability is we will be worse off as a society from an economic perspective twenty years into the future. I mean, that's it's almost unheard. It, it's I don't think it's ever, uh, you know, occurred. I mean, look back fifty years ago. 75 years, 100. Look at what, look at how the smartphones, the technology. Well, if I can say this, I watched something earlier and I believe it to be true. And somebody talked about the last, uh, every 10 years from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. In every uh, 10 years, there's a group of people saying, in 10 years, the world's going to end. In the 80s, it was because the acid rain was going to ruin the crops. In the 90s, it was the ozone. In the 2000s, it was terrorism. It was all these things that are going to, yeah. in 10 years, the world's yeah, going to end. We're always on the brink of destruction. Okay. Yeah. And this was interesting. This stuck with me. I read this story about, oh, God, I don't know the time period but when there was horse horse and buggies in new york city and that was the crises that like in or crisis that in 10 years the whole city was going to be buried in horse manure and like the world was going to end and it surprisingly didn't happen they came up with a solution for the manure right yeah and that that's a good argument thing for the global warming uh thing they don't factor in what innovation is going to happen that will then propel it to go the opposite direction because you can't even comprehend we're we're not there yet right yeah. yeah Okay. Yeah, uh, um, human ingenuity uh, is the greatest driver of human progress. Um, it's constantly evolving, uh, constantly inventing and reinventing, not in a straight line. No, I know. It, it, sometimes it's two steps forward, one steps back. Not for every country, maybe, uh, at the same pace. Not for every culture, necessarily. But on the whole, en masse, 
we all of the world's population is better off today than at any other time in human history. Certainly, you can find uh, individual pockets of exceptions there, but en masse across the globe, we we are we've never been better off than we are today, and that is going to be true ten years from now. That we are going to be better off ten years from now than we are today. Yeah, there's an interesting. Um organization or website and i think there's a book out there it's called human progress humanprogress.org and it's all about that like these statistics about innovation and growth and and how we are pro- progressing and, and none of that makes the news you know you have no. to actually go seek out that the good news of what's being done around the world right and, and, and that's and that that works the news cycle and, and and somewhat of the news industry works against the investor by promoting bad news over good news so it seems everything seems worse than it is and situations more dire and so well and you know why bad news increases listenership so, and you're going to watch for longer if there's a chance of you surviving because right. you watch the news <laughs> stay tuned in 10 minutes we'll tell you how you know 10 minutes we'll tell you what fox news is going to tell you stay tuned wnis.com <laughs> right uh so anyway i think i think that the lesson here is um you know Recessions are inevitable, part of the natural uh, cycle of um, economic cycle of capitalism. They aren't pleasant to endure. Are we in one right now? I'm going to personally, just my personal opinion, I say no because uh, unemployment being too low, it seems highly unlikely. The stock market, you know, seems to be reflecting that thinking that it is. Well, guess what? That's a that's a mismatch that's a, that argues for a good time to buy. We do, definitely know that prices uh, of your average um, mutual fund are a lot lower now than they were six months ago. So great time to um, increase. Uh, if, you ha- if you aren't contributing to your company retirement plan, great time to start. If you are contributing, good time to increase. If you have uh, excess cash sitting in your bank account above the amount for a healthy emergency fund, good time to add it to an investment portfolio. This is when the money gets made. You know, the trite expression of investing a buy low, sell high. Ha ha ha, it's so easy. Anyone can do it. <laughs> this is what buying low feels like. It, it never feels good to buy low, buy into a recession, buy into a bear market, buy into a down market. It doesn't feel good because all the news and all the headlines are saying, don't stop, panic, problems. And you see it when you open your statements, your quarterly statements, they're going down, down, down. That's the time that the money gets made, when you either stick with the plan or you continue to add more fuel to the plan, more money to the plan. That's when your network, when the eventual market recovery happens, that's how you grow your net worth faster. Yeah, and I think uh, a point to tie into that concept is the fact that market volatility and risk are not the same thing. So I think a lot of um, people in the finance industry talk about volatility as being the risk, but true market risk, I'm sorry, market volatility is not risk because market volatility is short term. And that should not really matter. Like we just talked about, if you're accumulating and you're saving, then this is a positive 
for you. And even our clients that are in retirement, you know, we that's what we do day in and day out. We help clients who are retired and who are drawing out of their nest egg manage these ups and downs because we know they're going to happen. We plan for them. And we have not had one single client that has had to make any adjustment to their lifestyle as a result of this market pullback. And we know that because we integrate the investment management with the ongoing analytical financial planning analysis. And so if we were just, if the market was down far enough or it went on long enough, then we would start to see that in our numbers. But because we integrate the financial planning with the investment management, that gives the clients the peace of mind and based on our recommendation and analysis that they're okay, that they don't have to change anything, that they don't have to adapt, that their lifestyle, most importantly why we do this, that their lifestyle is protected regardless of what the market is doing in the short run. And then they get to enjoy the higher long-run rates of return that investing gives you. And that's why we feel so strongly that investment management needs to be done in concert with comprehensive financial planning that just investment management that's what people think they need they just need to know how to invest their money that's just going to give you a rate of return that does not tell you what to do in times like this or how much you can spend and retire or if you can still retire in a time like this it doesn't answer any of life's Mm -hmm. big financial questions all you get from investment management is a rate of return okay now what are you going to do (laughs) can you still retire on time how much can you spend when you're in retirement without fear of running out of money do you need to reduce how much you're uh withdrawing from your portfolio or do you need to increase how much you're putting into your portfolio those are life's big financial questions that get answered through ongoing analytical financial planning. And so, you know, I would just add, if you're working with a financial advisor, hopefully you're getting the full value of financial planning services and not just investment management, because there are, I think, firms that just do investment management and firms that also integrate financial planning. And everyone can benefit from financial planning. Everyone at any point in their life can benefit from general financial planning advice. It's the service that everybody needs that they don't know they need. All right, that's all the time we have for today. We're going to be back in two weeks on Tuesday, October, uh, I'm sorry, Tuesday, August 9th at 6 p.m. as usual. In the meantime, for more information about us, look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. You can request an information packet or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. For Certified Financial Planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. The preceding program was sponsored and paid for by Wealthway Financial Advisors. We are solely responsible for its content.